Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk about Walt Disney and his plans and ambitions to step beyond what was his Disneyland park in California. Now, as you remember from history, Walt Disney had this idea. He wanted to take his two little girls somewhere. He wanted to go somewhere that was family-friendly, fun, and enjoyable, that he could enjoy and they could enjoy, because there were little parks and things you could go to, and the kids might enjoy it. There were museums and things that he could go to, and he would enjoy it, but the other side may not. So he wanted to create something else. And through a lot of hard work, diligence, lobbying, working with a lot of different people, he managed to pull it off and create Disneyland. He turned some number of acreage of uh, orange groves into his amusement park, where he would have his girls be able to have some fun with him. But it became more than an amusement park. It became a theme park. It became an icon. And Walt realized that with all that was going on around the Disneyland park, that he would need more land if he really wanted to fulfill on his dream, his vision of something bigger. And this was sort of a test case. You know, it took him a lot of legislative work. It took him a lot of financial work. He had to work with several different network television companies to kind of create something here. And he had some ideas for what he could do next. But it was going to take time to get there. And yeah, the Walt Disney World Resort happened some number of years later. It opened in 16 years after Disneyland. But it really took more than that to get there. And this is the story about his process along the way of getting there. The Palm Beach Post, I thought, did a nice job of sort of summarizing a lot of these thoughts in an article they put together in 2011 called The County Wasn't Big Enough for Both Walt Disney and John D. MacArthur. Sherman Adler found it surreal enough to be a 20-something driving around rural Palm Beach County in a dusty old pickup truck with John D. MacArthur and Walt Disney. But it wasn't until he watched the two American titans of industry and entertainment strip down to their boxer shorts and splash one another in the intercoastal waterway one afternoon that he knew he had witnessed something he would never forget. They were like two peas in a pod, both creative. They loved nature, remembers Adler of Palm Beach Gardens, at the time an ad sales executive at NBC, which had lured Disney and his TV show away from ABC. Adler was part of a three-day scouting trip that Disney took with insurance and real estate tycoon MacArthur of his vast county properties more than 40 years ago, a trip that, if it had gone another way, might have brought Disney World here instead of Orlando. But as much as Disney and MacArthur had in common, they also shared something else, a certain wariness of the other's business acumen. That, that probably scotched the deal from ever happening. Palm Beach County wasn't big enough for both Walter Elias Disney and John Dean MacArthur. And Disney's dream was bigger. Disneyland in Anaheim had become a monumental success, but his vision was to build a sprawling park of unbroken fantasy. In California, people left Disneyland and spilled into the streets where small businesses had cropped up like mushrooms, where Disney cast members could be seen taking a cigarette break. Disney wanted to preserve the fantasy he created at the park and the dollars of the visitors. He learned in California 
that you want to own everything as far as the eye can see, Adler said. So Disney set off to find a site for the new Disney World closer to the East Coast so it would not draw dollars from Disneyland. At first, it looked like he had settled on St. Louis where a contract was being drawn up in partnership with Augustus Bush, the patriarch of the Anheuser-Busch Beer Company. Everything seemed poised to place Mickey ears under the arch when Bush made a comment about selling his beer at Disney World. Although Disney was no teetotaler, he believed beer had no place in the wholesome image he was trying to create in the happiest place on earth. So the deal fell through. To this day, beer is not sold in the Magic Kingdom, the first of the Disney World parks. Out of St. Louis, into Florida. Word of that blow-up reached the ear of MacArthur, who invited Disney to take a look at more than 320 acres he owned in North Palm Beach County, along what is now known as PGA Boulevard and PGA National. Disney called Adler, who for years had been trying to convince Disney he should take his entertainment business to the East Coast, where the time zone made doing business easier, and to Florida in particular, a right-to-work state. What do you think about this blackjack MacArthur? Disney asked him, and went on to invite him to join Disney and MacArthur for their meeting. Adler was set to take a two-week vacation to Alaska that August for salmon fishing, but without his bosses at NBC knowing, he took a flight to West Palm Beach. There, he saw two kindred spirits immediately hit it off, Disney, who had grown up on a farm in Missouri, and MacArthur, who had grown up poor, the son of a Baptist preacher. MacArthur was rooted to his past and still lived in a two-bedroom shotgun shack, remembers Adler, whom MacArthur would eventually hire away from NBC to become his executive assistant, counsel, and sort of consigliere. They were also highly driven, competitive spirits. On a tour of the Intercoastal, near what was Leighton's fish camp and bait shop in Riviera Beach, after having cold drinks at Surfside, MacArthur asked Disney if he'd like to swim. MacArthur then stripped down to his boxers and jumped in the ocean. Walt, not to be outdone by this so-called naturalist, takes off all his clothes except his shorts and jumps in. MacArthur had some of the theatrical flair of his playwright brother, Charlie, of the front page fame. Author Nancy Kriplin, who wrote a definitive biography on MacArthur, the eccentric billionaire, remembers hearing one story of someone walking in on him in the kitchen frying bacon in the nude. He very much liked to do things that shock people, Kriplin said. He liked the idea of swimming in the nude. The men ended that weekend with a handshake deal to bring Disney World to Palm Beach County. But later, Disney confided in Adler, Sherman, I'm not sure I trust him. And on a subsequent visit to hammer out the details, Roy Disney, Walt's brother who ran the business side, angered MacArthur by insisting he wanted to buy more land, much more, to control all of the area around Disney World. I have to get the hell out of here or I'll hit that goddamn beagle right in the nose, MacArthur told his real estate advisor, Jeremy Kelly, when he abruptly left the dinner table. But Adler always feared the two big personalities would clash. Plus, Disney wanted much more land than was available in Palm Beach County. Adler said it was MacArthur, who owned more than 100,000 acres in Florida, who pointed Disney north to Orlando, where he owned and eventually sold a large chunk of land to Disney as part of its purchase of nearly 30,000 acres. He loved making the deals, the wheeling and the dealing, Kriplin said. So Disney may not have ended up in Palm Beach County, but in some minds, MacArthur was the reason Walt Disney World eventually came to Florida. He wouldn't have come to Florida otherwise, Adler said. He brought Disney down here. I just thought that was kind of a neat story, a neat way to tell that story. The story itself is kind of interesting. And when you think about the big picture, you know, Walt Disney wanted to grow into somewhere else. Land was cheap in Florida, you know, because it was swampland primarily and nobody was here, it was a great opportunity to buy some land and get something built here. Uh, plus, the state was a little bit behind the times 
and it was likely that Disney could coerce the state to give him some of the things that he wanted, and ultimately did through the idea of this uh, special improvement district. So it was kind of an intriguing prospect. And the story is kind of interesting. You know, you think about 320 acres of land is really pretty small. It's only about one-tenth the size of what he actually got in Orlando when he finally did build his Disney World. So you think about the size and the scale of things. 320 acres would have bought him about the size of Disneyland. And ultimately, he would have been stuck in a surrounding area where uh, MacArthur would have owned everything else. He would have owned the entirety of what was around it. So businesses, hotels, restaurants, everything else that was outside of Disneyland would have been owned by MacArthur and he would have benefited greatly from Disney trading on his name. So I don't know that the whole situation would have worked. I've read another story that suggested Roy was really the the biggest problem here, that Roy really did tell Walt, this is never gonna work, you two are too close, You've, you've got too much in common, and it's kind of a weird mix of things that would happen there. I don't trust him. And so there's a little more to it than that. So it's kind of interesting, the way it all played out and the way Disney came together. Now, MacArthur, for his part, he was a blowhard, and he was a difficult man to work with. He did create the city of Palm Beach Gardens, but he was a thorn in the side to most of the other residents of Palm Beach throughout his life. And he continued to try and cause trouble, do what he wanted to do, and get the state to acquiesce and the county to acquiesce to things that he wanted. Not unlike Walt Disney in that sense. But in the end, he was a huge philanthropist, and he was remembered, and is remembered, primarily for that, as being a good guy who donated to a lot of worthy causes. In fact, the state honored him by creating a state park there on the coast in his honor. So it's kind of a neat thing that there's a connection there. Now the other part of this about MacArthur is that he wanted to have something that he could grow on. He had this this tract of land that he wanted to build and he wanted to do something. So he created Palm Beach Gardens and then ultimately lured the PGA and the PGA headquarters to come to Florida and set up shop there in Palm Beach Gardens or just outside of it. And so the road is called PGA Boulevard. Now, he did have one advantage here of that being the location. The advantage was kind of a weird one. Interstate 95 was being built from Maine to Miami, and the idea was that you could travel easily on the interstate system. But there were enough politicians, wealthy connected people, and others who kept a 30-mile stretch from about Stewart to about Palm Beach Gardens that never got built with the interstate system. So there was a gap in the I-95 system where there was no roadway. So you had to actually exit it, go to the turnpike, and then take the turnpike for that 30 miles and then hook back up to I-95 to continue your trip in and out of the state. That wasn't changed until about 1988, when the state finally relented and let the federal government build the rest of the interstate. So the interesting part here is that the PGA National Resort was right there on that tract of land right where you had to exit to go onto the turnpike. It was like the perfect location because you had to pass right by it. And in fact, had Disney agreed to build his theme park there, it would have been at the end of the road there as well. You would have had to pass right by it. So conceptually, what a great idea because you had this really kind of funny thing that happened with wealthy people not wanting to have the interstate come through. You had to go onto either the turnpike system or a local road in order to take that 30 mile trip in which case you were gonna pass right by whatever MacArthur did, which turned out to be the PGA headquarters and the golf course. So I just found the whole thing, you know, kind of interesting in a weird way, the way it it worked out, it was just kind of strange. Arguably, I think things worked out better for Disney. I think uh, in the long run, this was a better choice. They're in a better location. I think they have that 
freedom of space really does grant them something in terms of being able to build and build on the ideas and concepts that they have. So I think it was the right thing to do. It was just kind of interesting that it might have been in South Florida. You know, it might have wound up being built oh, an hour or so from where I grew up. And that intrigues me in a way too. Not that we didn't go to Disney World all the time. We went fairly regularly, but to be an hour away, I might have actually taken a job there in high school. Instead of working at the local store, I might have worked there. But that's just my take on it. So I thought the story was interesting. There was a lot of compelling parts to this just to understand what happened with Walt Disney and being able to build something east of where he was in California and actually get something kind of cool going. And I wanted to share the story with you. Oh, and by the way, one last little piece about Sherman Adler and how he relates to this whole picture. The interesting thing is that he was working with NBC, so he was a connected person who got to know Walt Disney personally and was able to leverage that in some way to help him to get Disney to come here. And then the fact that he had purchased some land in Florida as a 20-something-year-old and was speculating wildly about being able to buy that, I actually think that the acreage that they report of him having 10,000 acres or whatever it was and selling part of that to Disney seems a little odd to me. I don't think he owned that much land. I'm sure he owned some, no question, and he probably sold most of it to Disney, but I think it might be an inflated number. And I don't recall him actually being involved in any of the negotiations along the way for some of the larger tracts of land as you look back in history to who sold the land to uh, Walt Disney. So it's unlikely that he had that, uh, that land or that much land as he was dealing there, but he did put himself on the map by just getting involved in this conversation and telling people that he sold some of his land to Disney. Think about that for a minute. I mean, he really got himself started. He wound up working for MacArthur for a period of time and being his counsel. Then he wound up you know, taking another job at CBS where he helped MacArthur get some of his TV shows on that MacArthur wanted to produce. So there's an interesting sort of connection there, this interconnected world. And if you think about how Walt Disney connects to it, how all these other wealthy industrialists connect to it, it's really kind of intriguing. All these people doing backdoor deals and helping each other out because they can all make money using each other's brands. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. For my One Little Spark segment today, I wanted to talk about what you can do in your community, how you can help in some way. And there was an article I found, Why Volunteer? Seven Benefits of Volunteering That Will Inspire You to Take Action. Why Volunteer? The benefits of volunteering can last a lifetime, not only for those who you are helping, but yourself as well. If you're on the fence about diving into a new volunteer experience or have doubts about whether or not volunteering is right for you, you might find yourself surprised at just how much you can gain from taking the plunge. Let's learn a little bit more about the many benefits of volunteering and how to get started and get involved. So what is volunteering? It means giving your time and abilities to aid others, usually a nonprofit organization, without the want of financial compensation. Put simply, volunteering is a service to your community. Many nonprofit organizations rely on volunteers to accomplish day-to-day -day objectives and reach long-term goals. Miles for Migrants, for instance, relied solely on volunteer hours to, for their first few years of operation. Most nonprofits would not be able to do the important work they do without the power of volunteer work. Nothing gets done by one person alone, which means we have to band together to make changes we want to see in the world. Volunteerism has indeed been the fuel to the fires of change on both international and local fronts. Volunteering your time, skills, and resources is one of the most powerful ways to make a difference, to help others, and as it turns out, enhance your well-being. 
While you won't get paid for your community service, volunteering comes with a lot of other benefits to boot. Donating your time, energy, and possibly resources can be just as rewarding for you as for those you are helping. Here are some ways that volunteering can affect you positively. Number one, you meet new people and build community. Everyone loves new friends. Being a part of a team with a common goal will help you form bonds with strangers that can be life-changing. Volunteering inherently means helping people, and that means you'll be creating meaningful relationships with others and increasing your social interactions. Volunteering provides a unique opportunity. It connects people with very specific shared values, and the values may not be what you think. In addition to likely having shared concerns for children, sustainable living, healthy eating, or whatever project you're working on, volunteers are also people who also share things like a willingness to step outside their comfort zone, an openness to spending time on the community effort, a proclivity for engaging in team-oriented activities, and a desire to contribute to the well-being of others. You're sure to meet people and make new friends and that share that common interests, values, and outlooks. Building a community in which you are all working together towards common future goals will nurture your sense of belonging and purpose and expand your support system. This social benefit of volunteering grows into a bunch of other benefits that we'll explore further in the list. Number two, gain knowledge and understanding of other ways of life. Volunteering might take you to a new part of your community you've never been to before. Volunteer programs can give you the opportunity to bring people into your social network you otherwise wouldn't get to meet and learn from those who come from different walks of life. This experience can expand your understanding of others who are different from you. Learning about cultures and ways of life that are different from the one of your upbringing will increase your social flexibility and expand your worldview. It will also raise awareness of the issues that other people deal with and will increase important social skills like empathy and teamwork. Number three, gain a sense of purpose and become happier. What an amazing reason to do something. Who doesn't want to become happier? Volunteering has been shown to give you a sense of accomplishment and to increase feelings of happiness. How, you may ask? Throughout your life, you've developed social and professional skills that promote your personal achievement. Using those skills for a wider communal impact can be even more fulfilling. Volunteering will enrich your life and give you a broader purpose and can give you a boost of motivation. Researchers also posit that it's the social connections you make while volunteering, as we've mentioned, that help increase your feelings of happiness. Feeling like you're in a purposeful role in your community will make you feel da-da-dum happy. Volunteering is an, indeed a known mechanism to help fight all sorts of mental issues like depression, anxiety, stress, and anger. Where do we sign up? Number four, boost your self-esteem. That's right, spending time as a volunteer has been shown to improve your self-esteem. The more opportunities you take to learn new skills and gain knowledge, the more fully you will develop as a person. And what safer space to develop those skills than in the context of service? Stepping out of your comfort zone and building new skills is the best way to develop your self-esteem. Volunteering will increase your sense of pride and thus your self-confidence. When you challenge yourself through volunteering and receive appreciation from others, it can make you feel better emotionally and mentally. Plus, who has time to think about negative thoughts about yourself when you're out saving the world? Number five, advance your career by improving job prospects. Gear up, this was a big one. Volunteering will offer you skills that can be used throughout your career development. If you're wanting to change to a new career, especially a new environmental or social impact job, volunteering in that new field can help you develop the skills and the knowledge you'll need. When you have a volunteering experience, to add to your resume, you stand out over other job candidates who don't take the time to give back to society. Volunteering highlights your character, passion, and determination. Through your volunteer experiences, you have a chance to show that you're interested in bigger things than yourself and you're willing to take action to make changes you want in the world. And that will always help you shine through the competition. 
Plus, volunteering can also give you a better understanding of the issues you're working with and discover where there are gaps in the field. This knowledge can prepare you to enter a new field of work or for those with an entrepreneurial spirit, volunteering may lead to developing your next business idea or inspire you to start a nonprofit yourself. Six, accrue the health benefits from volunteering. It's true. There are many physical benefits that come from volunteering and most important is that it can help reduce stress. Spending meaningful time with others can reduce stress and the health effect it has on our bodies. Reduced stress translates into several physical health benefits. You'll sleep better, get sick less often, and even prevent heart disease. In fact, some studies have even found lower mortality rates in volunteers versus non-volunteers and older adults. This makes sense because we give our attention to others, we take our attention off of our own problems and concerns. It can also put our stresses into perspective and feel more gratitude in our day-to-day -day lives. Volunteer work can also be an outlet for the frustrations you feel about certain issues and will leave you with a sense of agency and empowerment. Worried about climate change? Do something about it. And finally, number seven, increase your brain functioning. Every volunteer opportunity has its own set of tasks and some of these might require you to learn new skill sets and challenge yourself. This means you'll be keeping your brain busy and limber. Volunteering has been shown to increase your ability for problem solving, increase your long-term and short-term memory, and reduce your risk of developing age-related diseases such as Alzheimer's. So it's time to get started. So you've made up your mind and want to volunteer? What now? <clears throat> One of the many beauties of volunteering is that there are endless ways that you can get involved and make a difference. The thing is that you won't know which is right for you until you get out into the community and start. The key to accruing all the benefits of volunteering is to find something you really like in the community and that you love. It's time to consider your options carefully so you can find an opportunity that will be realistic for you as well as fulfilling. There are tens of thousands of nonprofit organizations in the United States with volunteering opportunities ranging from healthcare to mental health to sports to politics to childhood development. Here are some tips to start finding the right one for you. Search online for organizations in your interest area and see if they have a volunteer page on their website. Make sure to check out their FAQ and follow up with additional questions or concerns before signing up to volunteer. Ask as many questions as you like of a nonprofit before you volunteer. Visit websites like Volunteer Match or Idealist and see if there are posted volunteer opportunities that might be right for you. Contact your local community centers, nonprofit organizations, senior centers, libraries, or anything else and find out if they have need for volunteers. Typically they do. It's important to make sure that you only volunteer in a capacity that you're comfortable with and that brings you joy. Consider how much time you want to give. There's no competition in volunteering, or at least there shouldn't be. If you can only give an hour a month, that's great. That's an additional hour a month your community will benefit from what you do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have it. When volunteering is part of a team, you should make sure you can commit to the time you're promising. Make reasonable concessions in the time frames and the ability and how much time you have. When you're thinking about it, be honest with yourself. Think about physical limitations. Some of these volunteer opportunities require you to do something physical. So be aware of that before you go into it. Find something that's in your skill set. You mull over what kinds of skills you possess and what you can, you can add. Think about your interests and where you want to really volunteer. What is it that motivates you? There are so many volunteer opportunities out there. Do you like working with animals? Do you like working with farming? Are you interested in how to compost? Do you enjoy playing with children? Spending time with the elderly? Do you want to learn how to help refugees? All these things have volunteer opportunities. Think about where your passion lies and go after it. Deciding what kind of organization you want to work with will help bring the enthusiasm to what you do. And not just in the United States either. There are plenty of other opportunities outside the United States to volunteer. Many, many with worthy causes and interesting things. Be sure and do your research, but there are plenty of opportunities if you want to work abroad or work with someone else in another country. There are companies like Have Fun, Do Good. I know nothing about them, but they do 
provide opportunities to travel with a purpose and you can do stru structured service. So there are things that you could do, right? If you're really interested in that, you know, make sure you do a little research and figure out what these companies are. We all contribute to the construction of the world we live in. Don't you want your contribution to be one that makes the world better? Working towards equality for everyone will make the world a better place for all of us. Whether you're a high school student volunteering at a football game or a Girl Scout selling cookies or a senior volunteering at an animal shelter, when your efforts go towards making society better for all of us, it's a win and it makes us all feel better. Happy volunteering. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 